0: Hi, welcome everybody, good morning and welcome River Glen, great to see you, whether you're participating online or joining us at one of our campuses in Waukesha or Pewaukee, so good to have you with us, thank you for joining us for church. Today we begin a brand new message series, we're going through the New Testament book of 1 Timothy written by the Apostle Paul, it's actually a letter Paul wrote from prison in Rome to a young man who was a leader at a church in Ephesus uh, by the name of Timothy. We're calling this series, What I Wish I'd Known Sooner. And uh, this is for everybody. If you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, we're going to set you up for uh, success. If you know and follow these principles, these six principles that we're going to teach you, uh, you'll be ahead of your peers. Sometimes in conversations with people in their 50s, in their 60s, they'll say, you know, I wish I'd known that sooner but not in a negative way they say it in a positive way they're grateful that god has finally revealed this to them and if you're in that age range we're going to help you avoid some of the common pitfalls of mid-life if you're in your 70s or your 80s i want you to know god's not done with you yet there's always time to learn something new and let god um, in well today i want to talk about this word right here one of my favorite words it's a fun word to say. So uh, would you say this out loud with me? Let's say it together. Ready? Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's a word you say when you don't really know what to say. And you see something beautiful, something amazing, something moving, and the word just comes out of your mouth. Wow. So let me ask you, what makes you go wow? What makes you go wow? Our son went to a college in Minnesota. We took a bunch of trips up there. And uh, we discovered an ice cream shop that we really like. It's called Nelson's, and they give these ridiculous portions. That's a child size uh, right there. That's the smallest one. They get bigger from there. Doesn't that look good? Chocolate and peanut butter. The place is always packed. It's Kemp's ice cream. It's good ice cream. But people go there because of the huge portion sizes. It's a wow. How about the planet Earth? The Earth itself is a, a wow. The Earth spins and rotates at just the right speed, causing the Sun to shine through your bedroom window every morning without fail. And it's spinning right now at a1,000 miles an hour, just spinning at a1,000 miles an hour. And the Earth, Earth orbits around the Sun. At 67,000 miles an hour, any faster we'd fly off, any slower we'd burn up from the heat. The earth is a wow. Last weekend I got to uh, officiate a wedding, and weddings are a wow moment. For sure. God takes two people and He joins them together and makes them one. You know, it reminds me of our wedding many, many years ago, uh, seeing my wife look so beautiful. I remember standing at the front of the church, uh, watching her come down the aisle, and under my breath, going, wow. Last weekend was also a wow here. We uh, baptized nine people and celebrated their decision to follow Jesus. Every baptism is a wow. I never get tired. Of watching them. Baptism represents a person committing their life, giving their life to Jesus. Baptism also represents cleansing from sin and the gift of new life. Baptism is a wow. I could go on and on, I mean, explaining and describing moments, wow moments and experiences. But sadly, many of us, we start to lose our wow. There have been times. When I've lost my wow, for example, we've got three kids, and uh, I got to witness the miracle of all three of their births. My wife was there, too. But that was a wow moment. I I, I, I it just blew me away, I mean, to see the miracle of new uh, life. But then two months later, after getting no sleep and a whopping hospital bill, I cried again and kind of lost, lost my wow. It's the curse of familiarity. I mean, the first time you see something, the first time you experience something, you go, Wow, that was unbelievable. But then over time, you know, you're like, I've seen that before, I've done that, I've experienced that, and you begin to lose your wow. And this happens with verses from the Bible, like the most famous verse, John 3:16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember as a little kid going to church, learning that verse, memorizing that verse. I, I mean, I just couldn't believe that God did that for us. But it became familiar to me. I started to hear it, you know, all the time. I would see it on signs at sporting events. And without, without even knowing it, I began to lose my wow. I mean, the longer you follow Jesus, the easier it is to lose it. But did you know The word wow is actually a biblical word. In the original language, I mean, one of the words for worship is this word halal. That might sound a little bit familiar. That's where we get the word hallelujah. It means to celebrate what God has done with excitement and passion. And God made us for this kind of worship in celebration. Have you ever noticed that when we see something exciting, something beautiful, something moving? If the first word out of our mouth isn't wow, I mean, in, in general, what do we say? I mean, sometimes we say, Oh my God, oh my God, that is that's beautiful. That is incredible because inside of us, all of us have this desire to connect what we see and experience with our Creator. God has put a wow. In our heart to aim it at him and express our admiration and our greatest affection at him. And so today I want to talk about how to keep our wow active and aimed in the right direction. Because it will strengthen us and sustain us through the challenges of life. As I read through the first chapter of 1 Timothy, it impressed me how Paul lives with joy and celebration in the midst of of very difficult circumstances. Paul wrote 1 Timothy near the end of his life, living in prison in Rome. They locked him up for telling people about Jesus. He endured persecution and suffering, but he never loses his wow. Paul faces execution, but instead of feeling sorry for himself, he decides to pour into young leaders like Timothy. And he encourages Timothy to never, ever lose his wow. So I want to share with you two ways to keep your wow active and aimed in the right direction based on Paul's example and teaching. First of all, you got to understand and remember what Jesus did for us. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Notice this phrase right here, trustworthy saying. Paul repeats a saying that Timothy had probably heard before, but he says it deserves full acceptance. In other words, this is really important. Don't let it become familiar. This is the core of the message of good news about Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I want to unpack that a little bit because this is such a wow even though the word sinner is not very popular in our culture uh, right now. You know, in our culture, we have a tendency, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as mistakers rather than sinners. If I go up to somebody and I say, hey, are you perfect? I mean, every single person's gonna go, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not perfect. You, you hear people say that, right? I'm not perfect. And if I say, have you made mistakes? Every single person's gonna go, yeah, I've made mistakes. My goodness, I've made mistakes. But if I say, are you a sinner? That's when people start to squirm a little bit. And they say, well, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes. But I don't know if, if I'm a sinner because we like to think of ourselves as mistakers rather than sinners. Now, let me, you don't need to raise your ha- any hands on this. But um, how many of you have ever told a lie uh, before? And, uh, you know, I have. And uh, what do you call a person who uh, tells a lie? You call that person a liar. Uh, I wonder if anybody here has ever stolen something, even something small, like a piece of gum or some money or some supplies. I've done that too. And what do we call a person who steals? We call that person a thief. If you go through the rest of the Ten Commandments, two of them say don't commit murder, don't commit adultery. And at least some of us would say, oh, good, I haven't done those two things. But then Jesus comes along and he says, if you're angry with somebody in your heart, it's like you've committed murder. And if you look at someone lustfully, it's like you've committed adultery in your heart. In, in other words, I'm a lying, murdering, lustful thief. Sometimes people will treat me a little bit different because I'm a pastor. And they'll say, Ben, you're a pastor. I don't want to sin around you. And uh, part of me wants to go, I'm a lying, murdering, lustful thief. I'm guilty. And uh, you are too because we're not mistakers. We're... Sinners, And because we're sinners, we can't save ourselves. You ever wondered why, you know, Jesus had to, you know, come into the world to save sinners? Why do you have to do that? I mean, why, why, why can't we just apologize to God? It would be a lot easier, right? Say, you know, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry, God, that I've ignored you. I shouldn't have ignored you. God, would you forgive me? God, I apologize. And, and God says, I, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. Thanks for the apology. It would be a lot easier, uh, wouldn't it? But an apology is not enough because we're sinners, not mistakers. Look at what Paul said in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. And notice he doesn't say the wages of big sins is death. Some of us, some, some people want to believe that. We'd like to believe we're gonna to go to heaven because we're a good person. We, we think we can achieve righteousness. But he doesn't say if you avoid Three or four big sins, you're good. We'll just overlook the others. No. He says sin, all sin, the, the wages of all sin is death. But here's the good news. Paul says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Look at, the, look at, look at this. Who took the initiative here? Jesus did. He, he looked at us, and he didn't just feel sorry for us in our, stuck in our sin. He came into the world. He took the initiative to rescue us and pay the penalty for our sins. That's a wow. Uh, Paul describes it this way. God sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Notice, God sent Jesus in a human body. Jesus didn't come as a spirit, you know, floating uh, floating around, God sent him with a human body uh, just like ours. It means that Jesus got tired, uh, Jesus had to go to the bathroom, Jesus had body odor. Uh, Jesus was not an angelic being flittering around with wings. He had a human body just like ours. Many years ago uh, when our son, youngest son Ryan was 11 years old, he got sick, he got a bad cold and a bad cough. He started coughing up blood. And we called his doctor. The doctor said, you need to take him to the emergency room. We took him to the emergency room. It got worse. Coughed up more blood. He actually vomited blood at the emergency room. And the doctor got very concerned, put him in an ambulance, and sent him over to Children's Hospital. I remember feeling kind of stunned that my son got put in an ambulance. My heart started racing on the drive over to Children's Hospital. Well, they discovered that he tore his esophagus and he might need surgery. They kept him in the hospital for three days. And it wasn't life-threatening, but I, I remember just feeling so concerned and worried and praying fervently for Ryan. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to see my 11-year-old son go into surgery. Fortunately, he, it, it healed up, and I felt so relieved. And we've got two more kids, but this was God's only son. And God gave him for what? A surgery? A hospitalization? No, it was a beating, a humiliation, a death. An angry mob carried off Jesus and demanded his blood. But it was the only way to save us from the penalty of our sin. And that's why Jesus took the initiative and came into the world and rescued us by paying the penalty for our sin to show God's love for all people. That's the good news. Paul says, don't let this trustworthy saying become familiar. Don't lose your wow. This good news can sustain you and strengthen you through the challenges of of life. But some of us here today, if we're honest, you've got some doubts. You know, maybe you believe, well, that that may be true for other people. You know, that may apply to other people. But but not me. Um, Because there's something inside of you that goes... Not me, I got pregnant, you know, when I was a teenager. Not, not me, I've been divorced, not once, but twice. Not me, I've got an anger problem. I've got an addiction and my kids don't even talk to me. And I don't really go to church as often as I should. I don't know as much about the Bible. I don't really know a lot about it. I just don't fit the mold. And so Paul goes further. Here's the second way to activate your wow. Understand the depth of God's forgiveness. Because there's more to this verse. That might surprise you. Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And look at this last part Paul adds. Of whom I am the worst. Does it surprise you that the Apostle Paul would say that about himself? That he's the worst sinner. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. He traveled the Mediterranean world telling people about Jesus and planting churches. And he calls himself the worst Sinner. And it's not an exaggeration. I mean, he had a terrible past. He hated Christians. He would track them down and he would beat them and imprison them and even kill them. And he was on his way to do more of that one day when he saw a bright light and Jesus spoke to him through a vision. If there was anybody, I mean, if there was anybody uh, who could say, you know, God doesn't want anything to do with me because of my past, it would be Paul but in the next verse Paul says but for that very reason I was shown mercy you know what the word mercy means it means that you don't get what you deserve it's a beautiful word God is a merciful God I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul says it again. I am the worst of sinners. He admits the depth of his sin. Not because he feels guilty or ashamed. He knows that Christ forgives him. And he knows that he serves as an example to all of us of the depth of God's love. And grace and mercy and, and patience. And so maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe you feel like God has said, you know what? I'm done with you. You keep promising you're gonna stop sinning and you don't. And, uh, and I've, I've just had it. Or you think, I've ignored God for too long. My sin is too great. Paul wants you to know that no one is too far gone. The worst sinner has a future. Many years ago, I heard a powerful, powerful talk uh, given by a prison chaplain from the Madison area by the name of Roy Ratcliffe. Uh, Roy received a phone call about a prisoner who had completed a Bible correspondence course and wanted to get baptized. And it might surprise you to hear his name. Some of you might recognize the name of the prisoner. It was Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee Monster. A serial killer. Roy visited Jeffrey Dahmer, studied the Bible with him, got to know him, and eventually baptized him. And I know it's hard to believe. It's an extreme example. But so is Paul. And that's why Roy wrote a book about it. And in the beginning of the book, Roy quotes this verse from 1 Timothy chapter 1 where Paul says, I am the worst of sinners. And he makes the point that if God can forgive Paul the murderer... He can forgive Jeffrey Dahmer, and he can forgive you and and me. Nobody's too far gone. No one is too far lost. There's no pit so deep that God's mercy is not deeper still. Uh, Maybe some of us need to jot down this uh, saying that I came across. Who who you were yesterday doesn't have to limit who you can be today. You don't have to let your sin define you. You're, You're not just the party girl anymore. You're not the drunk or the addict. You're not the liar or adulterer. You don't have to be the girl who feels unworthy and so uh, therefore she dates guys that treat her poorly. You don't have to be the guy who feels like he was always picked last and a failure. That's, that's, That's not who you are. You don't have to still be mad because your parents got a divorce and you carry that chip on your shoulder. You don't have to be the person who has to make everybody laugh to cover up your own insecurities. Jesus can completely change your life. When Paul came to faith in Jesus, it completely transformed and altered his core identity. He was no longer the just the worst of sinners. Now he was also a child of the king. Do you know? Do you know that you have a father who is like that? Walt Disney, according to his daughter Diane, who wrote a biography about him, uh, Walt Disney tried to live as normal of a life as uh, possible. And so when Diane uh, was just five years old, she went to kindergarten on the first day and introduced herself to the class and said, My name is Diane Disney. And the class just went nuts, and kids are talking about Disney. And she kind of looks around, and she doesn't understand. And so the teacher says, Well, what's your father's name? She said, Walter. And the class is going nuts, talking about uh, Walt Disney. And she looks around, she doesn't get it. And the teacher said to her, have you ever been to Disneyland? And Diane says, yeah, uh, we, we've been there uh, several, several times. The teacher said, Disneyland, Mickey Mouse Club. I'm pretty sure your father owns it all. Diane said, I had no idea and uh, she went home that day and uh, her dad uh, Walt Disney was sitting on the sofa uh, reading his newspaper she walked in and ripped the newspaper out of his hands and she said you never told me that you were Walt Disney <laughs> Diane writes in her biography I walked around for days stunned at who my father was how about you do you do you ever feel stunned about who your father is. Now, many of us walk around feeling discouraged about our circumstances. We feel discouraged about the future. We feel stressed, anxious about something going on in our, in our life. But do you ever take a moment and just pause to be stunned by who your father is? You know what, that's what Paul does in the next verse after he describes God's mercy and grace. Look at how he aims his Wow. At God, in verse 17. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible. The only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He says your father is a king. He rules the universe. And he is immortal. There's never been a time when he didn't exist. He always has been. He always will be. He is immortal and he's invisible. He's a spirit. He's everywhere at once. And he is the one true God. The only one who deserves honor and glory forever. And, when, and if you know who God is, and you know who you are, you will never be shaken in this life. God is the king. He is eternal. He is immortal. He is invisible. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. He is filled with mercy and grace and patience and forgiveness. That's who God is. And do you know do you know who you are? Do you know your value to him? Wouldn't you agree with me that something's value is determined by what other people would pay for it? Uh, for example, here's a picture of a, of a of a car, a very expensive car, a Lamborghini Veneno. And if you wanted to buy one of these, it would cost you four point five million dollars. It goes zero to sixty in two point nine seconds, seven hundred and forty horsepower. Like an Indy car, reaches a top speed of 221 miles an hour. Is it worth it? I'll let you decide that. Here's a picture of a painting by Leonardo da Vinci. It's called the Salvatore Mundi. A Saudi prince recently purchased this painting for $450 million. What do you think? Is it worth it? Not to me, it's not. I... I didn't know that it's supposed to be Jesus. I didn't even know that it was supposed to be Jesus. Uh, first time I uh, looked at it, it looks a little bit creepy uh, to me. I don't think I'd want that picture hanging in my bedroom. You know, you wake up every morning, you got creepy Jesus looking at, at you. Just my opinion. But my point is, wouldn't you agree? Something's value is determined by what other people would pay for it. With that in mind, what is your value to God? What is your value to God? Look at what First Peter uh, says: For you know that God paid a ransom. God paid a price. To save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, Adam and Eve, and everybody who's lived ever since has sinned, and sin leads to an empty life. Some of us, some of us know that right now, and but God, God bought bought your freedom, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God bought you for a price, not 450 million in gold that. Loses its value. He paid for you with the blood of his precious son, Jesus. And Paul echoes these words to Timothy. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's how much God loves you. No one is too far from God. No one here today is too far from him. All you have to do is reach your hand to him and and he will take a hold of you. You may think of yourself as the worst of sinners but God can change anybody's life. You're not just the labels. You're not the labels of your past. You can be a child of the King. <laughs> Getting baptized. <laughs> Baptism is a wow moment. And if you haven't made that uh, decision, if you haven't taken that step, we've got our baptistry at both campuses. We have baptistries that are filled up, they're heated up, and they're ready to go. We've got everything that you need, all the clothing. The towels, changing space, we will video it. It's it's really simple to do. It takes just a few minutes. We'd be glad to do that for you today. After the service, be the best five minutes of your uh, life. Maybe some of you have followed Jesus for years, but you've put off baptism uh, for some reason. Today can be your day. Baptism is a wow, and it will strengthen you. That's why Jesus has commanded it for everyone who uh, decides to follow him. Here's a second challenge. Maybe some of us have already gotten baptized and followed Jesus for many years. But if we're honest, we've lost our wow. It's easy to do, especially the past 18 months. Easy to get out of some habits and spiritually to drift. In fact, look later on in the book of Revelation. the, The church at Ephesus, we read about the church at Ephesus where Timothy had served. And how we read about how they had lost their passion and drifted. Look at what Jesus says to this church. He says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. Jesus says, think back to when you were close to me. Think back to when you really loved me. What were the things that you did? He says, start doing those things again. Reading your Bible. Praying. Listening to worship music, going to church every week, joining a group, volunteering, going on a mission trip. Go back and start doing those things you did at first, and it will activate your wow. And it will sustain you and strengthen you through the challenges of life. Stop at the Connect Wall or the Welcome Center in the lobby today. We've got some volunteers, we've got some staff that would love to help you do any of those uh, things to aim your wow at God. And that's why we also every weekend practice and share communion together to remember what Jesus did for us and aim our wow at God. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. I want to invite you to use this time today, whether you're here in one of our rooms or whether you're watching online, to take communion and make it a wow moment with with God, Think about what he's done for you. Think about the depth of his forgiveness. Think about how much he values uh, you. Thank God for the gift of sending his son, the greatest, the most generous gift ever given. I'm gonna pray, and then uh, when you're ready, you can take communion. Let me pray for us. God, we are grateful that you are a God of, of mercy and grace and patience and forgiveness. God, I'm struck by the grace and mercy you have shown me. There are many days when I'm the least worthy person and you turn a smiling face and welcome me back. God, may we all remember what kind of grace and mercy you show us. And I pray for those people today, maybe, maybe they feel far from you or like there's no hope, they're too far gone, they're too broken. God, I pray they would reach out to you and know that you will take their hand. God, give courage to those who have yet to take the step of baptism. And for those of us that have have already done that, but over time we've drifted, help us to get our wow back. Give us the courage to take whatever steps you lead us to take, because we want to express our greatest admiration and affection for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.